to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here's your host, David Shong. Welcome to another episode of the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, brought to you by Ranger Boats, powered by Mercury Marine, and Shock to Life by Reliant Lithium Batteries. And I am David Shong, and joining me this week, back from fishing, uh, is the AC Insider himself, Kenneth Grover. Welcome back, KG. And for those that don't know, uh, KV was out of office fishing the Toyota Centrals on Gunnersville. And before we dive into that, because I kind of want to kind of get your take on that, because yeah, you definitely do a way a lot more serious tournament fishing than I do. So I just want to get your take, because again, during, you know, for me, during this time of year, it's all ice. And for me to get, and, uh, I don't have to drive too far, but it's, it's going to be about a good six, five, six hours at least minimum of driving, trying to find probably some decent open water. But um, I know for me this past weekend, well, I guess because the, the your event ended before the weekend, but I know for me, the only thing that was exciting for, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure it's even exciting in any way, but for me, it was a belated Valentine's Day that I did with my friend, my buddies this year where we, every year though, the, our, us couples, I guess we alternate which you know, if the guys end up planning it or the girls do it. So we just spent the day in Chicago and did some stuff and whatever, but I'm not sure if that's much more fun by me. I, I don't know. For me, I, I've been getting more of the itch of fishing. So, but I don't know, KG, I don't know if you don't mind, I don't, do you want to just kind of go over your tournament? Cause I know that this year, I think I, and last week I mentioned, I, I called the wrong championship that you're trying to qualify. I think I may have mentioned the all American, but I actually meant to Correct. I, you know, I was going to correct myself today and say that I know you're trying to qualify for the Toyota Series Championship, but um, tell us how things went out because I know Gunnersville. It's as you we've seen a lot of events happen uh, recently. Weights are pretty good, but um, yeah, t- if you don't mind, just kind of br- briefly going into how that event played out for you. Well, how it played out for me is I suck. <laughs> so, so maybe I should just talk about the event and not me. It would be much more entertaining, I think. <laughs> Well, because I know that day one, for those that don't know, I know we, we got the press release. Yeah, I think you probably even got notification before we even got the press release. But um, the because it was, I think, believe day one was canceled the morning of due to the That's potential, due to the potential. I don't know how bad it got. I, I got the that, text at about four forty five. I think. Okay, because I think I, I think I don't, I don't think we got until like six something. So I know you guys got obviously since you guys are competitors, um, you'll definitely be uh, given a, a, a heads up about it. But, um, but were you? How, I guess how confident were you going into Gunnersville? I know it's a lake that you've got a lot of experience, whether it's competitive or fun fishing. But uh, how confident were you going in? And I, I'll take I'll take you back to when I first started. Okay. Um, I started practice uh, the Sunday before. Okay. Um, and it was a short day for me. It wasn't a full day Sunday. Um, I was still traveling back and forth from home then. Um, but I got on the water for a little while Sunday. Um, struggled a little bit. I got on the water Monday. Struggled a little bit. Figured something out Tuesday. Wednesday was able to duplicate it. I could run multiple places and could duplicate it pretty easy. The bite was just getting better as, as okay. the week went on, which 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 I kind of expected. So um Thursday, which should have been the first day of the tournament, mm-hmm. that's the day down here that they were, you know, it, and they had been calling for it for a week. 
um, but uh, strong storms, but they couldn't be, they, they weren't very specific of when it could happen any time during the day. Okay. So there's going to be strong winds, bad storms. Well, I kept, you know, I kept looking, uh, I, I pretty much follow the weather channel app on my phone and, and it, it can get pretty accurate when you, especially when you get that close to an event, but it looked like the bad storms and we were putting in at Scottsboro, um, Goose Pond was where we were putting in for this tournament. Mm-hmm. So we weren't in, we weren't in the city of Gunnersville. We were further east from Gunnersville, but everything I could tell, it looked like the storms would probably hit there around 4.30-ish. In the morning? Which would have been, uh, no, in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Okay. Which, which 4, 4.30-ish, which would have been right in the middle of weigh-ins. So okay. I kind of thought the night before there was a chance that the tournament would be canceled. Um, mm-hmm. or at least that, that, that day. Uh, and he told us in our meeting, um, Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon that, you know, a decision would be made if, if we would or not would be made the next morning, but he kind of worded it as though, uh, it might be based on what's happening in the morning. He kind of mentioned, you know, if it's storming in the morning, you know, we can either delay launch or we can, we can cancel the whole day. So I thought, well, if it doesn't hit till afternoon, we max to get to fish. So I was prepared to fish. Um, but, uh, no, we got the text 445 that morning. Uh, I was actually on my way to the ramp, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, said the day was canceled. So I sat over in Gunnersville all day long watching like the best day <laughs> probably all year. Mm-hmm. If we would have been fishing that day, it would have been nuts. The, the weights would have been incredible. I think everybody would have had 20 pounds. I mean, it, it would have been, it was like the perfect day. Storms didn't hit in Scottsboro till 7.30 or after. Okay. So we, we could have gotten the day in, um, but, you know, we didn't. We, we had to kind of go based on, you know, what, what the projection was. I, I understand why he canceled the day. I, I, I'm not I'm not faulty. Mark McWall is a, is a great tournament director. Um, I, I, and I understand what the issue would have been during weigh-ins because – it actually happened to us last year at Chickamauga. Um, bad storm came through um, right in the middle of weigh-ins there, and uh, it was it was pretty rough for a while. But that that's it's too many boats congregated in an area trying to trying to get to docks, trying to launch their or mm. trying to put their boats on their trailer, trying to conduct the weigh-ins with heavy storms coming through. They kept calling for high chances of tornadoes through the area. So, oh wow, I, I, I fully understand the decision. The bad part is. You know the way the day actually panned out. The wind wasn't bad at all. I mean, it was like I said, it was it would have been the perfect day to be on the water um, for this tournament, but didn't happen. The rain did come in at night. Um, fortunately for me, I stayed up at uh, uh, Nathan's Lodging, which is up in the, the uh, Hollywood area, which is just north of Scottsboro. But it's basically like a hotel room that's connected to a garage. So okay. I, I was able to put my boat in the garage. It did not get wet or anything. Um, uh, it made it easy to to rig up, tackle, and get everything prepared for the next day. But it rained hard uh, practically oh, wow. all night long. I mean, like really hard. So first day of the tournament, uh, which is which is now Friday morning. Um, the morning actually wasn't too bad. It, it it had just stopped raining, probably around five in the morning. So, it, oh, gave wow. us, so it, it gave us a chance to, you know, get launched, get started. We still had some pretty strong wind that that, that was that was as a front. That's kind of when the front was transitioning. 
So we did have some strong wind coming out of the uh, northeast at that time, which is blowing right into Goose Pond. But uh, and we, we all made it work. But but the 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 bite was still strong early early that first day. I, I would something. say we launched at about six thirty. I would say till about ten o'clock. I think for most everybody, the bite was really good. It got tougher after that. So like, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say I know like and, and I guess because you, you talk about day one being canceled and I, I'm not as like I said I know you fish a lot of these bigger whether it's regional big these bigger style tournaments and typically I guess when weather delays whatever your day gets shortened at the I guess at the beginning of the day so you'll get you know maybe it's like the first couple hours if they do if they do just hold everyone back do they ever because you mentioned with like the weather coming later in the afternoon has there ever been a way where a time where they shorten the day so you get that you know that normal start time and then they say you know instead of you checking in at three o'clock you check in at 1 30 so that we can hopefully be done by four or five o'clock and be out before the storms get yeah that that has that has happened before okay um but there's 260 boats so it takes a while for for to get through weigh-ins i mean just yeah. our flights just our flights um the first flight was doing at 2 30 the last flight was doing at 4 30. oh wow so, and they only put out so many weigh-in bags. So in a place where a lot of guys weigh in, you know, there ends up towards, towards the hat, the, the last half of the, um, the flight schedule, there's guys usually waiting for weigh-in bags. So weigh-in can take a while, um, yeah. in order, you know, to process. So even if you try to shorten the day, you, you still have, you know, the flights themselves are two hours apart. So you can easily add another hour to that. So you, you have to expect weigh-in could last at least three hours so if the storms were projected to come in by four o'clock you know then they would have to back us down by at least two hours if not two and a half almost three hours okay then it then it just becomes too short of a day sure just if you got long runs then basically you know i guess you know for even though gun result is big i guess it's not Big which point, I mean, which which can't happen the other way. I mean, there there have been fog delays that, that last that long. So I mean, it, yeah. it it does happen, but but I, I I think it's easier to justify it when it's a fog delay in the morning than trying to back up way in. Okay. So the, fishing this time of year in, on Gunnersville, and again, because I I think the only time I've been was it around this time of year two years ago when me and you went out. And I don't remember, like I said, I want to say it's on this time of the year, maybe. It was, I think, February or something like that. Is, is, uh, it, I was thinking it may have been March, but you may be right. It may have been the tail end of February. What, are the fish in Gunnersville still in that winter? I don't know if it's winter or if it's more of a, they starting to come up and be more pre-spawn-ish during this time of year, or are it, they still? It's It was a heavy, a heavy pre-spawn. Fish had started oh, wow. moving, yeah, fish had started moving shallower. Oh wow! Okay. The, the the fish I caught on day one were practically right on the bank. Oh wow! Okay, they were they were on the inside edge of the grass. Now, I say that part part of that, and I I did catch them in similar areas in practice. Part of that could be the fact that the water did come up, at least where I was. It, like upriver from Goose Pond, it, the lake's real narrow. You got a lot of creeks, a lot of narrow creeks, so all that rain affects the water there the water will come up quicker than further down the lake because it's it's a lot wider so it takes more water to actually come up um so where i was the water had come up um at least a foot overnight oh wow 
So I, I think that that was that was probably the biggest contributing factor to the fish being where I caught them that day. Okay. Um, I, I went to my first spot, um, and the water was just it was just too much color in the water. Okay. I tried to stop at a second stop, same thing. So that where I caught my fish day one was actually my third my third stop, but it didn't take me long. I was I was boat number four, so I probably got there. So I obviously took off right at six thirty. Um, I probably got to this area no later than seven thirty. Okay. What was I going to say? What was it? So with those rains coming in on day one, because again, I'm assuming the fish. Not that the fish don't get affected by the rain, but besides the the, the dirtying of the of the water clarity, but did did your water temps significantly? Did you did it did it? lower those temps in those areas that you were fishing since you're fishing so shallow no it actually seemed like they it raised them i, I oh, think really? it was a yeah it was a warm rain i mean it was 74 degrees that afternoon oh wow okay yeah it was it was warm the whole okay. the whole day before it was warm okay um really the two days before it was warm but but it was warm for for the rain for sure okay uh, like like i said that that day the, the day before the rain hit i mean it was it, it was like picture perfect it was nice and warm which is why the storms were so bad because 74 degrees ahead of the storm and 38 degrees behind it. Mm. So I know, actually, was that, it, it may have actually been more than seven. It may have been higher than seven, but maybe almost 80, <laughs> but it, it was, it was, it was warm, a nice warm day. Then what? Cause then obviously the, the storm comes in day one, you have a decent, you know, I guess I don't know for you, you probably would have wish it would have been better, but well, how cold was day two, which was Saturday? Because I know you you were talking about it was going to be significantly colder. I think day day one was cold. Um, oh, okay, part, and a lot of that was was the wind. Um, oh, okay, but it was in the it was like forty degrees all day long. Oh wow! So it is a significant drop. Forty there. degrees, cloudy and windy, very windy. And it's okay. one of those cold north winds. It was it was a wind from your direction. Something you <laughs> you sent down there. <laughs> So yeah, no, it, no. Uh, Friday was pretty pretty cold. Um, okay, but uh, you know the, the the key with Gunnersville typically is you don't want to fish dirty water. Okay, and, and I I think I think that's I think that's pretty much going to be the case in almost any grass lake. Mm. And I and I'm I'm just I'm just guessing here, and it, and I, I'm. It's not a case that you can't catch them in dirty water, but I think what happens is you're already trying to call these fish out of out of the grass. Yeah, because they obviously if they're actively feeding, they're out of the grass chasing anyway. But if they're not actively feeding, you're trying to to draw them out of the grass, and I think I think the dirty water makes it harder to do that. But this is also why you know, like a rattle trap type bait, those type baits are so good because mm -hmm. the, the noise the vibration from them it draws those fish out they hear it coming from a distance they know it's coming it, it's something that draws them out you know the guy that fished with me on day one i was catching him um on a uh, striking thunder cricket okay and he 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 kind of gave up on it and started he rigged up a senko and you know typically a senko is a really good bait uh when you're fishing shallow but this time of year, it, these fish have to, it's almost like they have to react to something. You can't just fish low for them. Um, and he kept, 
and I thought about the Cinco. Matter of fact, I threw a Cinco some in practice. But I just I know this time of year it you have to it takes a moving bait, and I think mm-hmm. that's I think it you just t- you have to trigger them, and I don't think a slow moving bait as good as a Cinco is. I just for this time of year in this scenario, I don't think it gets the bites because these it's like you have to draw these fish out. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I only weighed in four fish day one. Uh, I did have uh, a bite in that same area that, that got off, um, would have been the biggest fish I had all day. So I, I should have had a minimum of 18 and probably been closer to 19 pounds, but a minimum of 18 pounds day one. Okay. Uh, but Hey, they don't count unless you get them in the boat. So sure. the, the bad part is that's the only place I caught fish. Um, I, I caught, caught the four that I weighed in. I caught probably Four shorts in there. My co-angler did catch one keeper out of there. It's, it's really a small area. They were in a about a 30-foot section. Oh, there. wow. Uh, I made two passes, and my two passes, I had pretty much what I weighed in. Okay. Uh, plus the bite that, that got off. Um, so, I, you know, they were they were obviously very aggressive. Um, I mean, they were aggressive bites. They would put slack in your line. You'd have to reel up to them before you could set the hook kind of deal. But it was just perfect. Perfect scenario. I hit it. I hit it just right. It worked out good. And I tr- tried to duplicate it in other areas, and I, just, I could I couldn't do it. Hmm. But but there again, I, I I do think the bite got worse as the day went on. I think this was kind of a residual of the day before. Mm, These fish okay. were reacting. The water come up where I was. It was still clear. It not it not gotten dirty. It was kind of a protected area. Um, but I think the front really negatively affected the fish as the day went on. Okay. So I know that. You know, yeah, I know you wanted to have a good start here, but um, you know, next month, Smith Lake, how do you feel about Smith? Again, I know you fished a, I think it was BFL a few weeks ago. No, that was a yeah. BFL. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. but again, no, Lake, that's not too far from you. And you've got a little bit of experience on it through, whether it's through fishing or uh, even through ABT. But how do you feel about Smith in, a, in about a month? Yeah, I fished, I fished Smith a long time, um, but it's a completely different lake now than what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've, I've still been trying to catch up to it. Um, the blueback herring obviously has made a big difference, but the quality of fish is a lot different. Um, so it's not a lake I have tremendous amount of experience on, but for this time of year, I, I mean, I have an idea what I should be doing. So it, it's just going to be a matter of finding a little bit better quality fish than than average. Okay. Um, it's still been it's still been kind of a largemouth deal. So. I think it still may be critical to try to get on a bit of a largemouth pattern. So between now and that event, how much? Because I know you got you know, ABT stuff and other other obligations, but uh, how much time are you going to be hopefully trying to put in? Try to hopefully put in on Smith before the event. You know, not not a lot because okay. it's going to change so much between now and then. The water okay. the water will keep coming. I had I haven't. I mean, I, I've been focused on gunner. I haven't checked it, but the water should keep start coming up now. Um, okay. You know, every, basically every day or every week between now and then, things are going to keep changing. Our dogwoods are just now starting to bloom, so the, you know it's we're, we're headed in a good direction. Um, okay, but there there's the spawn cycle should be pretty good about the, okay. about the time we we go there. So there's really not a lot I can do between now and then until I get closer to it. Okay. All right. Well, thanks a lot, you know, for just breaking that down. I know that that was again just something that I know you're you're trying to take a big, 
uh, big focus and hopefully trying to do well and making that championship at the end of the year. But uh, but with that, I guess we'll take a short break. Oh, you, you, yeah, go ahead. You don't you don't help yourself when you only catch one fish that one. Uh, keeper fish on day two that's that pretty much kills you i mean it was a good one it was 415 but still yep, I, I saw that <laughs> but i basically i basically scrapped what i did day one i, I saw okay. enough i saw enough on day one that i knew it was going to be tough where i was uh more places were getting uh dirty uh, between the wind and the rain um majority of the places that i had planned to fish based on a pattern i found in practice were, were pretty much blown out so i i had to make it Look, tournament fishing is a game of decisions. So I had a choice of continue to stay upriver and try to force something or make an attempt to run down lake, find some cleaner water, and hope that I hit an area that that I could get, you know, a school fired up or hit it just right type scenario. The problem is I think a lot of other guys had the same, the same idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially being day two, I'm not going to pull into an area um, there, where there's a lot of a lot of other boats. I, I don't. There again, I wasn't on that end of the lake day one, so I don't know who was there day one and caught their fish. But I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to kind of get into an area where there's there's already a crowd of boats. I, sure. I, I was looking for places that I felt I could pull into and you know, find a school that maybe wasn't as pressured or whatever. I, I, I wasn't going to jump into an area where there were a bunch of boats. Um, there were some obvious good places that I did stop. Uh, I just, I, I had the one bite um, and it was, you know, it was a grass point. So uh, that's just the way it goes. Um, you know, the, the, the guy that won the tournament ended up uh, fishing an A-rig behind a bridge. Oh, surprise, wow. surprise. Um. You know, in, in, in hindsight, in hindsight, that was probably my biggest mistake, being boat number four. Um, you, you know, the, the the bridge deal, I try to stay away from it just because there's so many other people doing it. But sure. When, when you're fishing a tournament like this, you probably probably should have that as a plan if you're an early boat number. Because okay. if you can pull in there and get in the right spot at the right time, you know, the chances of, of a really good bag are pretty high. Uh, the, but the key is you have to be, because you have to be in the right spot. Um, you know, they're, they're not all created equal. And usually okay. within each of these bridges, there is a sweet spot. Uh, occasionally there's two of them, but for the most, most part, there's a sweet spot along these bridges. And if you pretty much have to be the one that gets there. I know there's a decent amount of bridges well, when when you're talking, especially on Gunnersville. Is that is that is this bridge pattern? Uh, is that is that is that apply to any pretty much any bridge, or is it certain bridges in certain areas of the lake where it just seems to be the more ideal? Because again, like you said, I know it's 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 a, a I don't know if it's, you can say a community hall in a way, but yeah, but well, there's there's a lot of them, but you do have to pick the right one because mm. I, I'm going to say there's probably one, two, three, four. There's at least five predominant ones. Okay. So that's that, that, that can pan out. Okay. At least two of those got blown out from dirty water. Mm. One of them gets a tremendous amount of local pressure. Um, the one that the guy won on, he probably didn't have a lot of pressure on. Okay. But then I'm assuming that even then, 
not as much when you say not a lot of pressure it's not the usual pressure but i'm pretty sure there's still a decent amount of of uh traffic yeah i, you know, I know day one there were other boats in there okay because I, I i think i remember him saying or, or quote or made the statement that he he got he was able to get there and get in the right spot okay does Gunnersville fish small, even though during you know, because again, we with how is as big as it is, but with as many people that fish it on a regular basis and with the amount of tournaments that happen there. I mean, I figured if fish is small, the one time that I was there with uh when you guys are doing ABT stuff on there, it seems like you guys always have an idea what the right the, the rough areas that a lot of these guys are gonna be in. And so then, you know, so it, it, it I guess in some ways it takes some of the guesswork out uh, when it comes to what areas might be more popular or at least where you, you know you might find expect to have a good amount of anglers fishing in but does it fish somewhat small for the size that gunnersville is it, it can at times uh okay. if water conditions are good throughout the entire lake then then no they'll spread out okay oh wow okay but but because of the conditions at least by by saturday which was day two the, it did get small okay um i because because as i was going down the lake i there there were it was it was obvious certain places that got guys caught them well day one. Okay. Because there were several grass flats that had, uh, one of them probably had 10 boats on it. How big is this? Are, are these flats? Cause again, like during um, lakes. Some of them, some of them, I mean, some of them were pretty big, but okay. the, the one, the one I saw probably at least 10 boats on wasn't very big. I okay. mean, they were, you could almost cast from boat to boat to boat. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm pretty sure some of those guys were. I'm not sure if it just it comes with it. You, you expect it to come with the territory when you're fishing some of those spots, or if it's still like, you know what, you're still a little bit too close for comfort when it comes yeah. to uh, yeah. Yeah, proximity. I, I try to stay away from crowds. Okay. Do you feel that? Because I'm just thinking, because last week, uh, well, I don't know, what was it? Uh, you know, I had Joshua Weaver on, the guy who won uh, Okeechobee for the invitationals. And, um, I know for him, a lot, uh, he mentioned, you know, not trying fish. Uh, memory too much with the, with the amount of experience he has on that particular body. How hard is that for you? Like, cause if you mentioned, um, trying to be away from the crowds and everything, how hard is that for you with all the, like said, whether, whether it's knowledge from you just fishing Gunnersville throughout the years or just from, uh, what you see covering ABT and stuff like that? How hard is that to just not rely and focus on stuff that you know? Well, I, I, I'll tell you this. This is the third year in a row that we fished Toyota Series on Gunnersville in close to the same, like within a week, week and a half of okay. the same time of year. And conditions in all three years have been completely different in my Oh, opinion. wow. Okay. Like, yeah. So um, you, you do have to be careful because, um, you know, the, the, and it, the grass grows different from year to year. Um, you know, the timing of the season can be different from year to year and how these fish relate to areas. Pressure ahead of time, uh, depending on how many tournaments and what kind of tournaments are, are ahead of the event, can have an effect as well. Um, three years ago, I don't think there were very many. I think it was an odd year. There weren't very many tournaments ahead of our tournament mm. uh, because there were large areas of very active fish. And that wasn't the case this year. Okay. Um but I'm just assuming pressure had something to do with it, but it, I, I could be completely wrong on that. So, some of that could have been the weather because I, I know there were a lot of fish still staging. I know there were a lot of fish that were already like dirt shallow. Oh, wow. So this year it could have just been a fact of the fish being too spread out. They weren't, they weren't still congregated enough where okay. at least three years ago, I think it was 
far more of a late winter, early pre-spawn. So they were they were they were more grouped up in more obvious places. Okay. So was that with that? Do you think that that's due to the? Was it a lot? I guess warmer than usual for this time of year for, or is it just happening? You know, just just the way how things yeah, just played out. It's it's been a strange it's been a strange winter. I mean, it's for the most part, it's been warm. Now we've oh, okay. Had, We've had some really strong cold fronts, probably two of them. One of them was, was you know, we had some really, really cold weather, you know, for four days in a row, yeah. but it warmed up after that. So it, it hasn't been cold consistently. It's okay. been warm in, you know, warm in between. So, okay. Well, I, I was rooting for you. I know that it's, you know, it's fishing, so we never know how things play out. I know that you were definitely looking forward to that day one before it got canceled, especially being boat number four. But uh, you still got two events, so we're definitely going to be rooting for you. I know that that's, uh, you got another one, uh, like I mentioned, uh, coming about a month, actually pretty much a month from today as we, as we record. So uh, definitely going to be rooting for you. And that's going to be um, stop number two for you, but hopefully things will work out better. Uh, hopefully play out a lot better for you because I know that your 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 that's your goal is to hopefully make it to the Toyota Series Championship at the end of the year. So uh, it's I've I've dug a pretty good hole to get started, but that, that's I, certainly always a goal. That's a that's yeah. a great tournament to to qualify for. So yeah. All right. So with that, thank you KG for providing us insight on how things played out on the Toyota Series Central event on Gunnersville. And with that, we'll take a. Short break, retie, and come back for the next segment of the show after a word from our partners. With so many exclusive designs and processes, no other boat is built like Ranger. It's a dramatic difference that consistently raises the bar of excellence while delivering more features, more performance, and the best value. The Ranger Fisherman Series. From bow to stern, this is results-based engineering at its best. Still building legends, one at a time. At Mercury, there are no limits to the lengths we'll go to make sure you have no limits either. Unlimited adrenaline. Unlimited fun. Unlimited weekend. Except maybe having to go home eventually. Introducing the all-new V8 Mercury Pro XS. Light, quick, efficient. Mercury, go boldly. Welcome back to this segment of the English Channel Insider Podcast brought to you by Luz. Make sure you check out the Hypermag Reels, the go-to reel by such pros as Mark Zona and Kevin Van Dam. Use code SAVE25 to save 25% on all signature series rods and Hypermag Reels. And joining us this week on this podcast, and in keeping with the unofficial theme of the month, which is Florida February, We'll have the win we have the winner from the MLF Bass Pro Tour Stop One on the Kissimmee chain, Chris Lane. Welcome to the show, Chris. Man, really glad to have me. I'm really glad you guys had me on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh you know, going into the the Bass Pro Tour event, I know that uh, it's not the first of uh, I guess event of your 2023 schedule, but did you have this event circled on your calendar, at least on the Bass Pro Tour side? Oh, absolutely. You know, anytime we get a chance to come down here and fish in Florida and fish Kissimmee, uh, the Kissimmee chain, you know, Cypress, Hatchinhall, Tahoe, they're all fantastic lakes and uh, just really excited to have the opportunity to fish a major league fishing event here. 
So uh, we know Bass Pro Tour events, you know, they're, they're, they can be quite long for an angler, you know, especially when you look at, because um, it's almost a over a week if you factor in official practice all the way through the championship round. Uh, how did you prepare for this event? Because I know that you uh, have some uh, experience on the on the Kissimmee chain, but how did you prepare for this event uh, for this first stop? Yeah, I think this this was an event that I really focused on. Um, I knew the water was high after the hurricane, so you know, being able to come down, you know, before the off limits and kind of relearn the lake back when I knew it as a kid is what it kind of remind me of. So it was pretty awesome and um, just had the opportunity to do that and really catch some really nice fish and really enjoy being back on Kissimmee when, you know, with it looking like it did back when I was a child. So I know that uh, before this event, I know, like I mentioned, this wasn't the first event of your 2023 season. You fished the invitationals on Okeechobee. Did that help you get dialed in into just Florida fishing in general? I know that you've had experience and you've lived quite a while in um, a good majority of your life in Florida. But did that help you get dialed in with just getting in tune with uh, Florida fishing, even though it's on a whole different body of water in a different part of the state? Yeah, um, I, I don't believe so. I think Okeechobee was probably, like, it was pretty, I think if it did anything, it motivated me. It was a disappointment for me as far as my performance because, um, you know, Okeechobee is probably one of the lakes that I thought I knew better than anything as far as when it comes to tournament-wise there, and I didn't do very well, and I learned that I need to really you know, make sure I catch my head and come back and get to Kissimmee and, you know, be mentally focused 100%. So day one comes up, you know, and in the end on day one of in your group B as well, uh, you finished the day with 14 pounds and 10 ounces and you sit in 12. Tell us how that day one played out for you. Yeah, day one was rough. Um, I'll be honest with you. The bite was... Uh, kind of shocking to me and the fact that you know besides I think it was Adrian and a couple other guys lit the score tracker up but for, for the majority of the field second day of the front you know slick with uh, cold temperatures um, that can that can play very hard on Florida fish as you can see you know I think I ended up with uh, 12 or I ended up with 14 pounds and was in the top 10. So that was, uh, that was something that kind of, you know, caught my eye that the fish were not feeding. So it's almost like I really didn't hurt any of the areas that I thought I could catch, you know, big fish in. Did what you find on day one, was it any different from what you found in practice? Did, did things change up quite a bit or was it pretty much the same? And because I know obviously we know weather can play, can wreak havoc. It doesn't take much to uh, uh, mess those Florida fish up. But did did, uh, did what you find on day one kind of match up more or less what you found during practice? Um, not so much. Uh, day one was was really tough there again. Um, a lot of A lot of short bites because of the cold front but i think more more importantly there was a lot of bites that just didn't happen compared to getting 10 to 15 bites in an area you might have got one or two and that was shocking were you catching i mean i know there's a lot of a lot of 
I guess you can say buck bass, but um, a lot more. Were you catching a lot more males than you were anticipating and hoping that, that you were at least some a lot more females after day one? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I knew that the big the big girls had started to move up, and then that cold front hit. So I think you know, there's there's two fish that really kind of stick in my mind, and one of them being on day one when I was able to catch that six nine um, in the lily pads and you know catapult me all the way from I think like thirty third all the way to twelfth place. So that was that was a game changer for me. So you get that day off, uh, you know, with the way how the format is uh, with the BPT, does that kind of mess, like, does that play, like, with you mentally? Because, again, like I said, you know, cold fronts, weather, stuff like that, uh, you know, and I know that the water clarity is a big thing when it comes to fishing in Florida. Does that mess you up, like, hoping that, you you know, that your spots will hold up? Or did you have enough areas for day two with that rest day? Yeah, I, I, I think it was... Um... I think for me, it was kind of, you know, good that my wife had come down and uh, for Valentine's and all that, because it allowed me to not worry about the tournament that much and especially on my day off. So I think that was a big thing because when it comes to situations like that and you think about it was a guy in my area, did it get beat up, this and that, um, I kind of stayed away from that and just went and just stayed focused on what I was doing and my game plan. So day two comes up, you, uh, for day two for group B, which is actually the fourth day of competition, uh, I guess if you look at the whole uh, scope of it, but you, you do a little bit better. You catch 16, 15, still somewhat consistent, but just a little bit better bag and you move up to eighth. Uh, tell us about day two, what happened on day two over day one? Yeah, day two, you know, I spent a lot of time in Hatchin Hall the first two days. And then after after catching the, the I think it was a 613 maybe, after catching that big fish and then um, being able to to start to go back to my roots, running down to Kissimmee and, and starting to fish areas that were setting up to be, you know, really good for, you know, hopefully a shot to win the tournament. So how much has your game plan changed? I mean, is, is are you like fishing according to what you've seen in practice or is it always just continuously evolving um, from, you know, practice day one and day two, approaching the, uh, approaching the knockout round. Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing there, again, it's, it's similar to the way I look at Okeechobee. Win was a big, big factor um, from day one to day two to day, you know, going into the knockout round. So, um, you know, kind of paying attention to the wind, paying attention to the weather, um, that was that was a big thing when it comes to figuring out, you know, where's your next move, where's your next step, and I never really wavered from that very much um, going into that event. So day three, uh, you know, day three, you end up fishing. You do, I guess, weight wise, you do a lot better compared to the first two days. Uh, you uh, catch twenty four ten. I'm sorry, uh, not twenty four ten. You catch. But I have it here. Sorry. You catch. What was your weight here? 23. 23 too. Yeah. And you, uh, you, uh, you sit in third place. Was that what you were expecting? Were you expecting a, 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 a way bigger bag or just, did just things just play out perfectly or better for you uh, on day three? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, 23-2, that's a, that's a really good bag. Um, and, you know, kind of kind of just working the areas, not, not killing them, but working them pretty hard, you know, because I knew the weights were going to carry over. Um, <clears throat> the shocking thing to me was at one point I was just a few pounds off the lead with Mark Davis, and then just a few minutes later, I'm uh, 13 pounds back or 12 pounds back, whatever it was, and I was like, un- it was it was unbelievable. What a what a job Mark did in catching that 34. You know that was unbelievable. Did you feel that? I mean, we know Florida. You know, it ebbs and flows because you could have a monster bag one day and come back with just you know a bunch of buck bass. But did you think that because you, you're about a little over 10 pounds behind uh, Mark after that first day or the or after the knockout round? Did you feel that it was out of reach in some ways, or did you feel that you know that you were st- you know being in third that you were still in contention to to make a run for that victory? You know, I I knew that Kissimmee could could put out a another thirty plus pound bag. Um, would it come from Mark? I mean, I, I had no idea. Did I have 100% confidence to go and do the very best that I could and be happy with the results at the end? Yes, that was kind of my game plan, especially with the mountain that was the climb that Mark set forth. So um, I think that was probably, you know, my game plan going into that final day was just to do the very best I could. So, you know, again, you're a little over 10 pounds going into the second day. And you mentioned um, the, you know, the weight's carrying over. We'll kind of dive into that in a, in a few seconds here as well. But going to day four, did you change anything up? Did you, I know, I believe uh, wind played a factor again into how you probably approach your day. But uh, yeah, tell us about day four, how you approached everything, how things played out uh, uh, to help you get that victory. Yeah, I think day four was probably the biggest, um, you know, decision-making process for me. Um, I stopped, really, I wasn't expecting that part of the wind out of the northeast, and it was cold. Um, and my my starting spot probably was, you know, the very first calm spot that I thought that, you know, I could get some fish. And I didn't catch any big ones in there, but I caught some fish and, you know, just kind of started working my way through and working my way down. I was waiting for the wind to switch completely out of the east before I actually went to some of my primary spots. And then just kind of, you know, massaged a little bit of what I fished on the knockout round, fished some of that and was able to catch some four and a half, I believe it was or in the high fours and, you know, really just was kind of shocked that the fish weren't biting as good as I thought they would be. But there again, cold front and the wind. And then the score tracker started lighting up with Brent Ayler and Art Defoe. And I'm like, okay, these big ones are biting. So you need to stay focused and then just kind of stayed, stayed in tune with the game plan and, you know, not stay out of the wind, but stay out of the wind enough to where, I wasn't around a bunch of boats that were staying out of the land. I was more fishing kind of in between. So you mentioned, you know, uh, the format change. And, uh, you know, so obviously for those that don't know, uh, the Bass Pro Tour used to be a cumulative weight of scoreable bass. So whatever 
I guess MLF or whatever, whoever determines what the scoreable limit or scoreable minimums weight is, it's a cumulative weight of that over the, you know, over, I guess, you know, the first two days of fishing. And I guess in, in this case, even championship round, it gets zeroed out. And then uh, it's cumulative weight based on scoreable bass. But this time around, it's um, best five. Uh, and in this case, your weight from, from the knockout round carries over to uh, to the championship round here. Do you feel that that change in the format definitely helped you with uh, being, you know, staying within striking distance instead of, I guess in the past where someone's catching a bunch of buck bass that uh, they could just slowly spread that, that, that gap away from you. Do you feel that, 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 that new format change at least helped you stay within striking distance? Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I think I heard some, some stats from that and um, you know, the, the end result would have been the same. I don't think there's a big change when it comes to that. Uh, the, the, the minimum weight variable is, is based off of the, you know, fisheries management division is working with the states to make sure that they give us the equivalent to what their length size is, I guess. Okay. So all of that, all of that said, you know, I think that the five fish limit allows you to focus a little bit more on catching big fish. Do you, did you feel that that, that that played out? Was that more noticeable, I guess, uh, for you this year so far, at least on this event, compared to years past then? Um, I, I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think that, um, you know, when, when I started fishing for big fish back two or three years ago in Major League Fishing and tried to, tried to stop, you know, trying to catch the one and a half or two pounders, whatever it may be, you know, staying focused on, on the bigger fish and trying to get a two pound bite. Um, the big ones came with it. And I think that that's just something that, you know, has helped me is staying focused on trying to catch big fish. Tell us what you use this week in terms of, uh, in terms of the uh, tackle, uh, to get this win. Yeah, it was all uh, 20 pound XPS fluorocarbon, a Bass Pro Shops black and blue sticko, five and a half inch, I believe it is, and um, XPS hook and weight, 7.4 extra heavy, I'm sorry, 7.4 medium heavy, uh, Johnny Morris rod, and a 8.3 to 1 Johnny Morris reel. Because I wanted to make sure that, you know, there was high percentage areas when you made the cast. And as soon as you got it out of that high percentage area, you needed to reel it in really fast in order to make another cast. Kenneth? Chris, um, look, first off, I'm going to say it was good to hear the pal come back. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You know, and I, and I have to say, I think one of the, one of the major keys to the success um, at, at Kissimmee was, of course, the power poles, but then, of course, the new silent move that's on the front of my boat. It's the new power pole towing motor, and literally the fish cannot hear it. We, we've, we have started to see pictures of those of anglers using them, but we still don't have a lot of inf- information about that. So it's good to hear from you on that, uh, you know, on what maybe some of the differences are. Yes, sir. Now, well, they're coming. I can't, I can't give a whole lot of detail on it, but it's coming. 
I'm assuming that maybe the classic could be some more major announcements on that. Uh, they will reveal it at Red Crest. Yes, okay. sir. Okay. All right. So that's not too far from us now. So we don't have to wait too long to, to get more information. That is correct. All right. So I, I want to go back to um, the last five minutes of your day. Obviously, that's that was the difference maker. That that was where the drama took place. But you know, those that were watching, those that are familiar with it, know that you were behind. You you catch a fish. Um, I think by the time you caught the fish, you were like under two minutes left in the round. Um, and it it looked like you didn't even realize that fish put you over. But that fish put you over, but you didn't know it. But uh, I, I want to go into the emotion that came out of you when 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 they finally told you that you had done it, you were just, you were stunned. You couldn't believe it. You, you still thought you were behind, but go into a little bit of the emotion from that. Uh, you know, I think it's kind of a, a lane trademark. You guys, you guys don't hide anything. You, you are what you are and, and you come across as very genuine. And I think that's why you get you, you and your brother both have a lot of fans because of it, but you got really emotional there. Um, and I think I know why. I think I understand it. But tell us, tell us, you know, the reason behind that. You know, I, it's got to be a, the, the, you know, the struggles, the time away from your family, the things that you're missing. You've got, you've got kids. You've got, you know, obviously a great family. You know, traveling all over the country, spending time away from them. But just, just tell me what what it meant to you at that moment, and why all the emotion. Well, I, I think the emotions were were solely based on the unexpected. So I thought that, you know, when my, when my official told me that I needed four pounds, 12 ounces, you know, not paying attention to detail, of course, like, like we do all the time, you know, we try to pay attention to detail, but when it comes to math and English and all that stuff, you know, we really don't pay too much attention to it. So, Going back, I'm thinking, okay, I need four pounds, 12 ounces, but then I need to take away a three pounder that I already have in my, cause this is all brand new format. So I need to take away a three, two, I think it was, or something like that. And I wasn't even worried about that. So I'm sitting there saying, okay, I need to catch it seven, seven, 12, seven, 13, whatever. That was just in my mindset and totally dialed in and focused on what I was doing because I give it everything that I had because I knew that that, hey, that may be my last chance to ever try to win a tournament on Kissimmee um, to that magnitude and I was like just give it all you got so at the end of that event I felt that I had given it all I got was I disappointed? I really was because I looked down at my Lawrence and it said 4, four minutes or 4 o'clock with 8 seconds and I'm like and he, he didn't even tell me lines out. I don't know what's going on because he was still entering that fish because it was so right at the last second. So I'm like, well, I guess that's it. And then I'll never forget. I turned back and he said, congratulations. My cameraman's holding up, you know, the number one sign. And I'm going, wait a minute, what's going on? And I, and to, to not know and then to know, um, I think that's when, when it hit me, I was like, oh my goodness. I, could, I couldn't believe it. I really was. I was, I was in shock. It makes all that time away from your family, the time you've invested in practice, the bad weather, you know, the, the traveling, the flat tires, 
everything that comes with what you guys do it, it, at that moment, it makes it all worth it. Man, it, it, it did. And I was, but I was still, I was still stunned, but I knew right then that, you know, my wife, my kids, they all knew, everybody knew. And then on my way back, I called my wife and, and the kids were screaming, she was screaming, I was screaming. It was just, uh, it was a moment to celebrate together on on the body of water where I learned to learn to fish, where my dad and my grandpa taught us how to fish. And so many tournaments I fished with my friends and my and my brothers. Um, it was just, uh, it was an awesome experience that I, I can promise you I will never forget. So you've got plenty of wins. You know, I, I know this is like a, a win for. I think you said. I think it's over five years since you've had a. I guess a major victory. But where does this Florida win rank amongst all the different Florida wins that you had? Because then you won on the uh, on the St. John's, I believe. You know, on Okeechobee and on other events as well. But where does this rank, uh, especially for being a Florida, a Florida boy? Where does this particular win rank? You know, it's funny you say that because the way the way that the wind happened, the way that the time ran out, the way that it is live now, and the way that the format is, um, I have to put it, you know, almost to the very top of probably the most exciting win I've ever experienced. With was I know besides this event because I know next up you've got uh, are you are you still fishing the uh, invitations that's coming up on Clark Hill or because I know they um, I know BPT guys can pick and choose but are you uh, are you fishing that event because I know in the past you fished pro circuits and stuff like that but are you fishing that event on uh, Clark Hill in a, about a week? I I am not. I was fishing the one on Okeechobee and that was it. And uh, my son's fishing them and I. You know, I think he's going to do fantastic the rest of the year. But for me, um, no more tackle warehouse, um, pro circuit, and just staying solely focused on the Bass Pro Tour, heavy hitters, and Red Crest. Okay. And the hunt for monster bass. I got to shoot those TV shows. <laughs> so, you know, you, you mentioned Red Crest because I know that, um, and it's going to be on Lake Norman. So that's, uh, I think, in a maybe two weeks, a little about maybe two weeks or so from, from uh, as we record this. Um, how do you feel about fishing on Norman? Well, I got a little hidden secret about Lake Norman. I can't, can't quite reveal it yet, but uh, I love it. Um, it's probably one of the most special places that, uh, if not the most special place in my heart. Okay. And uh, I won't reveal it here, but, you know, It'll come in due time of why. <laughs> so, with that event, because because it's it's the next one on your on your schedule. Uh, now you've won a classic. Your brother won last year's uh, uh, Red Crest. What would it mean for you to win the Red Crest uh, this coming year? Then, oh, it it would mean it would mean the world to me. Um, I think there's only one person that's done it, and that's Edwin. Um, you know, to win a classic and a red crest, if I'm not mistaken. So to have that opportunity to win red crest and to follow in my brother's footsteps would be absolutely amazing. I can promise you we'll give it all time. Well, I'm assuming, as as, uh, as Kenneth kind of mentioned earlier too, that uh, hopefully it won't play out the same way how it played out for you on 
Kissimmee chain and how your brother played, how I played off for your brother last year, where it, it's down to the last few minutes. I'm pretty sure if you do win, you'd rather, you'd rather at least have a, a, a more bigger gap, I guess, of knowing that you're going to take the win instead of having to bite your nails and fish that last second, just pulling out your hair. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know what? We'll take them however we can get them, I guess, is the, is the old saying. So you just do all you can do until the very last second. Well, a win, hey, a win is a win. It doesn't matter how it happens. A win is a win. That's right. That's right. Well, we thank you so much. I know that you you've been I know, really busy, and we caught you again. You mentioned that you're filming a show, uh, the Hunt for Big Bass or Monster Bass, excuse me. But definitely, we thank you for just joining us and sharing us uh, how things played out on this uh, this awesome win for you. And good luck on the Red Crest next month. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. All right. There you have it, folks. The former Bassmaster Classic winner, multiple-time uh, Bassmaster Elite Series winner, now uh, BPT Kissimmee Chain Stop One winner, Chris Lane. Uh, I, like you mentioned, KG, it was really awesome. You know, the, I, you know, if, if for those that didn't see it, just the moment that he uh, found out that he won that event, just hearing that. It's been a while. I, I think, like I said, I think it's probably about been four or five years since we last heard that 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 uh, trademark pow from him. But it was very awesome to see him uh, win that particular event and just to see how, even for a guy who's had a tremendous amount of success, how much a win of that on that level means to him. Yeah, you know, and and they'll all tell you, um, you know, wins wins can be really hard to come by, and you know, and he even mentioned that this might be his last ever opportunity to have have a big win on Kissimmee. You never know when when it's going to be on the schedule or not, and uh, so you you just have to fight as hard as you can and try to take advantage of every opportunity, and and obviously it worked out for him uh, for this event. Yeah. But I, I I will say this, I I, I really I really believe. The, the the Lane family in professional fishing is good for professional fishing. Yeah, um, he and his brother both. Um, I, I think they're they're as real as it gets. Um, they don't hide anything. Uh, what you see when they're on camera is who they are, and uh, I really I really think it's good for professional fishing. And the few the few times I've interacted with, like you said, the Lane brothers, so both Bobby and Chris. You know, uh, you know, you said they're very real. They're, you know, they're not fake, but they're very professional, very, very nice and approachable. The, every single time I've told, whether it's talking them as a fan, working with them at, you know, uh, just getting content from iCast or whatever it is, you know, very, you know, very approachable, very, you know, not, not, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that every single angler has to be, you know, the most approachable person, but these guys, you know, they're very professional and, and know how to make anyone feel welcome. So, yeah. Well, and, and that's part of what I think separates fishing from other sports. Everybody likes to try to, you know, compare fishing to football and basketball and baseball, but it's still, man, it's still the people. I think the people are the difference in, in professional fishing. And, the, you know, Chris Lane is an example of why there is a difference. Um, you know, that, like you said, they're approachable, they're real, uh, they handle themselves well, they know what they're doing, they're very professional. Um, that's part of what separates, in my opinion, what separates fishing from the other sports and what makes it better than the other sports. Yeah. All right. And with that, we'll take one more break here and we'll come back for the final segment. 
From dawn to midday to dusk, the sun's rays dance across the water and the sparkling light beckons. The abundant shorelines invite you to play or sail or simply behold. This is where champions fish and families gather to unwind. It's Lake Hartwell and Anderson is the gateway to its wonders. Walk on a pier, float all day, and restore your soul in this beautiful oasis. Visit Anderson, South Carolina's bright spot. Discover more at visitanderson.com and visitlakehartwell.com. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. Welcome to the final segment of the show brought to you by Trickstep. If you don't have a Trickstep, make sure you visit trickstep.com to get you hooked up. Whether it's a bass boat, pontoon, ski boat, it doesn't matter. Make sure you get yourself a Trickstep. Uh, first up is uh, just a few results from this past weekend. Uh, first event I've got on the notes here is the Texas Team Trail. Fishing on Sam Rayburn, winning that event with 28.06 is Marshall Hughes and James Franklin. Uh, the MLF BFL Bulldog Division were, uh, was on Lanier this past weekend, and winning that with 22 pounds and 8 ounces was Justin Nally. Going back to Texas, the Bass Champ Central uh, Division was on LBJ, and winning that event was the team of Corey and Jason Schnauts, just short of a dirty 30 bag with 29.83. Lake Hartwell was a stop for the Five Alive Elite Series uh, anglers, and winning that event was the team of Colin Smith and Brady Krimble, Kimbrel with 22.36. And the last event uh, was the other big event of this past weekend, a big tour-level event, was the Bassmaster Elite Series on Okeechobee. And winning that event with 86 pounds and 15 ounces was Tyler Rivette uh, capturing his first blue trophy. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch that event, but it was definitely uh, – I know you were quite busy. so. But uh, I, I, I didn't watch it, but I did hear that the guy was using forward-facing sonar. <laughs> Who would have ever thought that on Okeechobee? It was, you know, it was, uh, as, and I don't know, cause after you, you definitely have more experience more with it, but it was definitely unique to see how much forward facing sonar came into play. I, I, I'm not saying that Okeechobee is super shallow, but even for uh, the depth that they were fishing, how much guys are using it. I know, uh, I saw the other, uh, I think it was Saturday. The day, yeah, day four. I know Steve Kenny was using it in the what was it? Whatever. I guess I don't for lack scout, of a better term. Yeah, scout, scout mode. mode. So yes. seeing I, that, I did. I did see where he modified his bracket for that, so it yeah. would, it would shoot shallow. Most most of them in in scout mode, they're actually ankled down. They're designed to hit hit deeper water. Um, I actually have a bracket on mine where I can adjust mine to any any angle that I want. But yes, it, I I could see, I could. And I think I've mentioned to you before in the past. It was the first thing I when when I put when I put forward facing sonar in the water for the very first time. Yeah, which was a couple of years ago. The very first thing I realized because I, I and I had mine on scout mode. I was looking under underneath the dock. I could see fish that were getting ready to spawn. And the first thing I thought was, 
during the spawn, this is going to be incredible. Special lakes where they where they spawn a little bit deeper than you can really see. Yeah. Um, so I can I can definitely see where a place like Okeechobee would take advantage of scout mode. I'm guessing Tyler may have been in one of the canals. Yeah, he was up on the river. Uh, I, I know. I think I think some other guys are further further up more, but he was yeah. uh, fishing uh, the bank or along the river instead of being out on the lake and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that so. that makes more it makes way more sense to be able to use forward facing sonar than if you're you know out on one of those grass flats. Yeah, and, and I, don't know, I guess he found his spot supposedly. Uh, he called. I was a sockeye or suckleye, whatever that's called. In. <laughs> but well, go, go, that's go only if you're from Louisiana. He was crappie fishing. <laughs> yeah. So, but I was like, okay, whatever. I, I know that you know, each place has its own little uh, special nicknames for some of these little critters that we catch. But, uh, but I was surprised. You, you know, again, I don't know what the the exact rules are. I don't know if he caught it during practice and whatever. But, uh, but he. I, some I, of, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think from what I read, he was he was catching crappie to eat to eat for yeah. dinner. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. So I'm assuming it was part of, you know, maybe during practice and he just happened to be catching it, but very unique. Uh, but then I guess, you know, for, for a lot of guys that, um, what was it, uh, uh, professionally fish, they, you know, they always, there's some people that would argue that fishing for other species helps kind of helps you to kind of, be more, I don't know if it's knowledgeable or just, you know, just be more on top of things. Cause you know, whether it's the different approaches that you take and, and, uh, and use it for bass fishing and whatnot. But uh, it was just definitely interesting to see how, how that kind of came into play, how he stumbled onto that area uh, with him looking for dinner. So, yeah, I, I can tell you this forward facing sonar makes crappie fishing so much easier. Yeah. So I think what happens is guys that crappie fish with the forward facing sonar, they get in it's easier to get in the habit of understanding the relation of where your bait is or where you need to cast or where mm -hmm. you need to present the bait based on what you're seeing on the screen so i think what it does is it, it it shortens that curve down so then when they go to bass fishing when they see that bass on the screen they they have a better understanding of how far out that cast needs to be or what kind of an angle it just the, the more you do it the better you get and just Crappie gives you more chances to do it in a shorter period of time, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of what helps them shorten that learning curve to transfer it over into bass fishing. Obviously, I, I have no experience saltwater wise, but at least from everything that when it comes to whether it's techniques, uh, you know, whether, uh, yeah, tech, not, not necessarily fishing techniques, but at least how to use forward facing sonar, uh, the type of techno or the, the accessories that come that people develop, it seems like, and I guess from, uh, from my limited understanding, it seems that a lot of it does, the, 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 the crappie world really does influence it way more than the, the bass side, I guess you go, everyone thinks it's bass because, you know, whether it's the bigger boats, all the more expensive equipment, but it seems like at least with forward facing sonar, it's really the, the crappie anglers that are really, uh, driving and really getting that stuff dialed in and, and, and influencing what comes from gets implemented into other type of fishing. Yeah. Well, the, the crappie are in big, are in schools or I mean, they're, yep. they're a schooling fish. They're, they're typically in open water. Um, they can be around structure or, or cover, but they're, it's just, it's, it's so much easier to point them out on the live sonar. Mm -hmm. um that it's yeah i mean it's it's a complete game changer for crappie yeah and and, and i think you know kind of like what you mentioned there with when, they, when it comes to presentation i think that kind of started to come into play uh because i know i think that's what uh the way how um tyler was fishing was just really kind of paying attention to how fish are reacting to to what he was doing on on well, you know with forward facing sonar but uh but then again it kind of goes back into like how 
now you're getting baits that are made specifically for people that are using for facing stuff for those particular presentations to kind of keep um right. you know and, and the next thing we're going to start seeing is is having to do that from a longer distance Okay. You know, when guys were first using uh, forward-facing sonar, you know, they were actually able to do it at a short distance, yeah. um, you know, 30 to 60 feet. Um, they, they could get that close real easy. Now we're seeing these fish getting a lot more um, aware of, of what's going on. They hear that yeah. pinging noise. They know the boat's there. Now you're having to get 100, 120 feet out yeah. in order to do that. And that, and that, that makes it harder. You're, the the further away you are from that transducer, the harder it is to keep your target in, in the in you you know in the in the conang the correct conang yeah. conang it gets the, the further away it's it's a harder just harder to do yeah and obviously if you got you know wind and other things that are you know that are that are affecting that it makes it it makes it a hard thing to do so you know these this this will keep evolving into other things you know everybody thought it would be you know the the end of fishing but it's the fish are going to evolve. You know, the technique will evolve. It'll change. We may even get to a point where it's it's even ineffective because those those fish will get where you can't catch them anyway. Yeah. And I, I am a bit surprised. Again, I don't know how it's, how shallow or how deep, uh, uh, like we talked about earlier with Steve Kenny, where, you know, I know there was with the brief time that I watched on um, Saturday when, you know, when Steve had a camera boat, a camera on his boat, and he was showing, uh, again, the scout mode, and he was talking about fish, um, he thought he was on top of a bed because he used to see a fish kind of swimming in front of him, but it went, it, it's probably trying to get back to that, the bed that he was being more or less on top of, but because he's uh, occupying that vicinity, the, the fish is just going to stay further away enough until Steve leaves that area. But just to see, um, again, like you mentioned with bed fishing and, and how, um, how useful it is. You know, again, I don't know how, how beneficial it is. If it's got to be a certain depth where it, it, it it really pans out if it's like yeah, for you're fishing three or four feet, it doesn't really play out as much with all the potential well, clutter it, and it, stuff like that. But it depends on it depends on the angle. Now, you know, obviously, if there's grass or things like that, it can't penetrate. Once it once it hits a target, then yeah. you're not going to see anything be, behind yeah. that. Everything yeah. behind that becomes a shadow. Yeah. So yeah, if the, if there's a lot of cover in the water, you're only going to get to the cover, and that's all you're going to see. Yeah. But uh, if I did see how, how I did see how he changed his bracket, he fighting it out. I also saw where his transducer was mounted, like right on top of the motor of his trolling motor. Okay. So he he could he could probably control the depth by lowering and raising his trolling motor to an extent. Yeah. But you know, I'm guessing he was probably looking in that uh, one to two foot range of water. So he, really? he wasn't looking. He wasn't looking very deep. He, could, he, okay. well, he couldn't if it was straight coming off his trolling motor. He couldn't. It's, those cone angles aren't very wide anyway. Yeah. But yeah, I I would think one to two feet. But if you if you have a fish, and you know down there three feet's really deep. Sure. Um, so if you've got fish bedding, you, you could even you could even see them kind of you know because fish react a certain way when on the bed. You see them swirling. You see them chasing off bluegill. So you may not actually if they're sitting you know right on top of the bed. If it's a deeper bed, you may not see you see the fish, but if they're chasing bluegill off or something like that, you could easily see that in scout mode. Hmm. Um, and, and that's all you would really need to see um, in order to to know if you're in an area where, you know, where there's bedding fish. Yeah. Like I said, I, I that was one of the first things I thought, you know, when I put mine in the water was, you know, there, there are lakes I could go to that fish bed deeper than most people can see. And I think, I think it would, they, 
I think it would show them that. Yeah. Um, the, the, key, the key is you do have to get the correct angle. Uh, like I said, I do I do have mine sitting on a bracket now where I can change the angle. So okay. Um, I'll tell you what. Ask me that question after the Smith Lake event. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. Uh, well, I guess to kind of wrap up this technology piece, because I know that uh, it's not really in the notes section yet, but I know that since we're talking about forward-facing sonar and stuff like that, uh, what was it with Chris talking about? He mentioned during the interview, too, that um, I guess it's the second official sighting of the uh, long-awaited uh, power pole. I guess it's called the move now, because I know I think the last uh, when it was spotted on Chris John, no, it's like Chris Corey Johnson's boat. Um, I don't think they, they officially there was a name attached to, it, but I guess it's going to be called the Power Pole Move, which is their their uh, trolling motor. And guess I'm assuming that based on what he was saying, that it, I mean uh, it makes sense too because with the with uh, Garmin and um, Lorance going to brushless motors, I'm assuming it's going to be a brushless motor because he's yeah, talking about yeah, yeah. There's no doubt it'll be a brushless motor. Yeah. So, but definitely, I guess it's going to be coming out a lot sooner than anticipated because you mentioned Redcrest. So we'll see if, if that does pan out. We'll see what that is. But um, always new toys. I know us fishermen always love new stuff and more expensive stuff that gets in trouble with the wives. So with that, we uh, just to wrap up the calendar or I guess the event portion of the show, uh, just to look at the we, upcoming. We got a little sidetrack there, didn't we? A little bit, but it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> there, there's never, you know, you know, we used to be called what was at the circus. So there really is, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the sideshow, we do our own thing. We know we don't have a, we don't have to always stick to the rules. <laughs> but uh, just looking at the upcoming events this, uh, this uh, coming weekend here, we've got, uh, it's, it's a work week for KG. He'll be the AB, I guess the ABT South, they'll be on Lake Martin. So KG will be down there uh, doing some work, hopefully. I don't, I, I haven't checked the weather, but hopefully the weather at least somewhat. Uh, I think it's going to be warm, David. I think it's going to be warm. <laughs> it's uh, I'm going south, so that helps. So, <laughs> so hopefully the uh, uh, things stay warm and 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 at least a bit uh, a little bit more comfortable for you as you uh, work this coming weekend on Lake Martin. Uh, staying in Alabama, the BFL Choo Choo guy uh, anglers will be fishing Gunnersville. Uh, Extreme Bass Series anglers, you guys will be fishing Orange Lake. Uh, the Bassmaster High School series again back in Alabama uh, will be on Lay Lake, and then the Anglers Quest Houston individuals. You guys are fishing this week. I know there's a bunch of I believe BFL events this weekend. From what I checked too, so but good luck to everyone that's fishing this week. If you have any results or schedules that you want to share with me, make sure you email from dshong at anglerschannel.com. And for all upcoming events, just please check out the tournaments tab on the English Channel website. And then to the last portion of the show is our news and notes section here. Uh, not too, I guess, fishing has kind of taken, taken over the news portion, I guess. So not too much with when it comes to a lot of stuff being announced. But uh, like I mentioned before, uh, the power pole move, it looks like that's going to be... Um, teased or released in some way at the Red Crest coming up in a few weeks here. Uh, but first one up is nominations for the Bassmaster High School All-American. That is going to be open. They are accepting applications there through the end of March. Um, so make sure that so to be considered, a student must be nominated by a parent, coach, teacher, or other school official. 
Students currently enrolled in grades 10 through 12 with a current grade point average of 2.5 or higher are eligible. So, um, so if you have someone that you feel that qualifies for that, make sure that you submit those in. Do they have a website here? Yep. Please, or I guess uh, nods here. Yep. So adults can nominate students by filling out an online form at bassmaster.com slash all American. And again, all nominations must be submitted before midnight on March 31st. And any questions, make sure you email allamerican at bassmaster.com. Uh, I guess all the news this week, too, sticks with the Bassmaster side, but I guess pretty big news. Uh, but for the Bassmaster Classic, Toyota ends, uh, signs, uh, signs ends up being the presenting sponsor for that particular event. I know to, uh, Toyota and Bass have been connected for quite some time. I say since 2007. So uh, coming up on, I think, getting closer to 20 years here, but they are the presenting sponsor for the Bassmaster Classic this coming in about a month in Knoxville. And then the Bass Nation, uh, there's an announcement there with a new format that creates more opportunities for Bass Nation anglers. So this would be something that's going to take place for 2024. And under the, under this new format, uh, individual grassroots anglers, even those that are not affiliated with the local club, will have more opportunities to qualify for the Bass Nation Championship for a chance at making the Bassmaster Classic in 20 i guess in this year because it, it's since it's 2024 it sounds like that'll be for the 2025 bassmaster classic but um here it says beginning in 2024 both individual bass nation anglers and club members from each state will be able to enter national qualifier events with the top 20 finishes advancing to the bass nation championship additionally club anglers will be able to qualify directly from their state tournaments to the championship Top three finishers at the championship earn a birth into the Bassmaster Classic. So uh, I know that um, we, me and KG were talking about this before because uh, there's uh, a Bass Nation schedule with, uh, I guess, uh, I guess with each, there's a certain, uh, there's four, I guess so, there's five regional events with particular um, dates and locations already announced for that. But uh, it looks like this is something, these events are sep uh, something that might be separate unless we get more details at a later date but uh based on what kg i guess we talked about it sounds like it's more opportunities for the bass nation angler to try to qualify for that uh bass nation championship right yes just running that through my head there's four events 20 anglers qualify that's 80 more anglers into that championship tournament so uh, that's i don't know i, I I kind of need to see more details on this. I, I it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to see they're making some attempts to, to try to make it better. Uh, it needs, it needs some attention. Um, but I, I would like to see the details on how they're going to do this. Those could potentially be very large fields. I don't know how they can limit that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I want to see more details. So yeah, we'll see how things I'm, I'm like, like uh, I think we, we we talked about it off air. I think uh, it's just a. I guess they have the rough skeleton. I'm pretty sure details will trickle out. At, uh, I guess I'm assuming sometime later this year because I'm pretty sure uh, if what we talked about off air is closer to what it might be in reality, uh, it might be there might be a lot more anglers competing uh, in those extra events too. But we'll see how the what rules, what restrictions, and format and all that once those are released but if they do get whenever they do get released we'll definitely have them on the englishchannel.com website uh because uh yeah because i'm pretty sure they'll have a press release a press release with that additional information as well 
Um, and the last bit of news I have is Hummingbird released their One Boat Network app. I don't, I bel- I, I guess it's a replacement for the previous app, but uh, it allows additional features like map study. Uh, I guess boat control. Uh, some of the those some of those additional features from your phone, which again I'm, uh, I see some of the benefits, but I guess. Uh, if you got the remote and stuff like that, I'm not sure if you're going to be playing with your phone trying to, uh, but then I guess you can control your shallow water anchors, stuff like that, trolling motor. But I'm always w- a bit wary about dropping my phone overboard anyways. So, but again, if you're, if you're one of those guys that always has your phone on uh, playing on TikTok and whatnot, um, you have a new app if you're a hummingbird person. So, and then I guess it'll, just something a little bit different uh, that uh, uh, just to end the show with here, because uh, I know that lately, the last few years live coverage in this case bassmaster live or uh, what mlf has and even with kg what kg is doing with um abt abt live that's been the way how i guess tournament fishing gets digested more or less and i know mlf still has these shows in some way but bassmaster i know like when i'm trying to even whether it's doing research or whatnot um they haven't had the the old school, I don't know for you, KG, because you, know, you you definitely grew up with more of the the old school uh, was Bassmaster TV shows and stuff like that. But unless I'm missing them, Bass doesn't have a a. Uh, are, are, a you, are you are you calling me old, David? No, I'm not saying. Well, I, I, I mean, is that what I'm getting really? You're, you're telling me I'm old? No, it's not that you're old. You've, you've I mean, got, I am old, but you don't have to just you know <laughs> point it out like that. I mean, well, uh, you know what I'm saying is because you know uh, you're used to digesting things, getting things a certain way. So sometimes it, you know, it's for you, you might you might prefer the the old I'm, way. You know, I'm old <laughs> enough; it's getting hard to digest anything. <laughs> Uh, hopefully it's not, uh, you're not going to be just uh, sticking to jello only, but my, my question to you, KG is, um, I know again, uh, for, for, especially for people that grew up with, you know, the old TNN stuff that, that whole, uh, outdoors block and stuff like that. Do you miss having the Bassmaster TV shows? Because like I said, I don't know that still does. I know what they're, I think obviously with the BPT and the pro circuit stuff, I'm not, I'm assuming the invitations will still be uh, on TV as well, but do you miss having those Bassmaster TV shows? Cause the only way that you're able to, whether it's getting research or just rewatching stuff is to sit through and go through there. There's a seven, eight hour block daily blocks of live coverage, which I don't think like uh, that as, as, I know for me, as I get older, it gets harder and harder to to watch anything, whether it's just fishing or other stuff. And even then, sometimes you know, I rather might be I might rather be out fishing versus sitting at home and just watching seven eight hours live. Not that I don't like fishing coverage, but do you miss those those old the older style one hour or two hour Bassmaster TV shows? You know, probably not. Um, okay. You know, they obviously served a purpose in the day, but, you know, like you said, the, all this live coverage is it's you can go back and watch it uh, at any time. And, and you know, the advantage of that is you can do it on your own time. It's, you know, it's out there and uh, and available so you can go through it in your own time. You can actually fast forward it. So if there's certain things you're looking for, whether it's a certain type technique you're trying to learn about or whatever, you can fast forward through stuff you don't want to see. Um you know, parts of it that you don't care, you know, where the guys are talking, doing more talking and not, you know, not the anglers, you know, then obviously you, you can kind of pinpoint exactly what you're looking for. Um, from a, from a personal standpoint, I, I'm, I'm finding that I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm overloaded 
Sure. Um, I feel that I'm going less off of my own instinct and I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, of all this, all the, the things that I've seen or heard or the, all the different techniques or all the different things that are out there. It's like that stuff's cluttering my head now and I'm not, I'm not fishing freely or I'm not fishing. It, it, it just feels different with me on the water than what it used to be. Um, sure. and, and, and. I, it just seems like it's, it's, I'm an overload of information and it's, it's too, it's too much. Um, so I, I've actually started watching less, um, which I mean, this weekend I was tied up. That was part of it, but I, I'm actually, it's, it's harder for me to sit and watch, um, a Bassmaster live or something like that for, for hours at a time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if there's certain certain type lakes or maybe certain type fishing, uh, it is a little bit easier. Of course, you know we, we are coming off, coming off the winter, so we ha we haven't had the opportunity. We've just now started to get it. The season's just now started. I may feel different, and you know, as the classic comes through or the red crest comes through, and we get we get more consistent with with events, or or I have a free weekend, which I don't know that I, I don't know that I have a free weekend. Until <laughs> no, you I don't. To, until I get to July, so. Um, <laughs> That, that's really a lot of it for me is I've got so much other stuff going on that it makes it harder to do. But I, I do feel personally that it has had a negative effect on what I'm trying to do in the water. I, I, I'm i a much more comfortable angler when I'm kind of doing my own thing, thinking my own way. Sure. Because um, in the end, that's really what it takes. Um, you start watching all this coverage and you're, and you're, you know, they'll get finished with the tournament. You think, well, I mean, the guy that won, that's the only way you could win the tournament. But in reality, there were probably 10 to 15 guys in that tournament that could have won if they had either, you know, executed better or maybe changed something, a little something here and there. In every tournament, there's not just one way that it could be won. So it's important that an angler creates their own identity, their own way of doing things, their own way of thinking, because the most important thing is how you maximize your time on the water and try to try to be as effective as you can with what you're doing. Um, that's just, that's just my personal thought and kind of where I am on it. But uh, um, yeah. And, and, and I mean, a lot of that is I'm, I'm really, I'm really trying to focus more on my own stuff and getting kind of back to um, fishing, fishing my own way, ways I'm more comfortable with, mm. with less, less i guess less options i'm trying to narrow down my thought processes so you're saying kg the kg the angler on the boat on the water is different from kg when he's on shore and not being able to fish you know like when he was because there's because obviously because you know like, like when it comes to when you're on the water you're you're looking at more real world uh applications of, of how you know so you, you're not you're not I guess depending how your brain thinks, some some of us might like. I know sometimes we will. I, I can see myself thinking, okay, well, it could be this, it could be that, and I could just complicate the thing more. But like you said, on the water, there's um, there's you gotta be more. You gotta filter a lot of that stuff out to figure out what works for you. Whether it's part, you know part part of it is my personality and who I am. I am very I'm I'm analytical. I'm very uh, um. Uh, almost in an engineering type mindset, I, I sure. have to make I have to make sense out of things. Sure, and and when I've got when I try to put too many options in the equation, then it's hard. It's it just it makes it hard to 
just makes it hard to stay focused. Sure. Um, and, and, and I, I like doing my own thing. I mean, I, 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 I like to, I, I tie my own skirts. I do, I do, I do some things that I think no one else is doing. And, and, um, I think I'm more effective when I feel like that's the case. And yeah. it just the more of the other stuff that I watch and, and it, it like I said, it's just, I think it's too much for me. Yeah. It's overload. I get it. I know, especially it's a lot different, you know, with, um, what was it for, for me, it's definitely hard to just sit through. I mean, I, having on the background is different from trying to sit there and try to be somewhat at least engaged, mentally engaged in it uh, in some way. But um, which I th- I'm assuming a good majority of us do, but I hardly doubt that any uh, anyone really sits through. Even though with the Fox Sports cover, it's it's a, it's, it's a bit more easier because it's only what two hours or three hours. But uh, yeah. but then and, and it, it, you know some of that goes back to what. You know, people have been saying when it when it's during the week, if if people have a work schedule that allows them to watch easier, I I think I think there are more eyeballs watching during the week than there are on weekends because there's too many options for other people. Um, yeah. You know, we we talk about how you know society now is all about you know live is live is what everybody wants, but yeah. at the same time, all the social media platforms tell you that shorter is better. Yeah. So and which is which tells me our attention spans have gotten so short we're trying to we're trying to cram we're trying to do too much stuff yeah uh and, and i you know that kind of goes back to your point i'm sitting down for for four to six hours a day trying to watch live coverage i think people are are, are in and out the the, yeah. the best their best viewership more than likely happens during the week where people can you know maybe have a an ipad or a device open with it on and they're still working on their computers, you know, if they're, they're an office job or whatever, and they can, they yeah. can still do their work and kind of, you know, halfway keep, keep track of it. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's, that's still where the majority of the, of the walk, the people that are watching are coming from. Yeah. Which is why I, I this is why, why my, my question came up is because I feel that going back to that less is more that I feel sometimes I, I do kind of miss the old stuff. Yeah. You get, Maybe just the well, final day coverage and just yeah, but the, in, in our show you can pretty much get a really good a really good idea of what happened throughout yeah. the tournament. Which compared to like in when you don't have time to sit through or try to even try to say okay, well, yeah, right. you know, and, and whatever. So that's why I'm like, yeah, it's because that is a lot of if you try to if you try to go through a day's worth of live coverage and try to condense it, you're still having to shovel through all of it in order to do that. Yeah. So. But yeah, yeah, that's that's why I, I, where it kind of came from because as you know, to, the the tournaments, uh, especially in the big uh, the big tournaments, start kicking up and live coverage is going to be all over the place. Whether it's a bass, MLF, or even like more regional stuff, and what with you guys do over at EBT, that you know we're it's live everything, and then obviously with combined with whatever other type of media you digest, whether it's social media, TikTok, you know, YouTube, or regular conventional TV and stuff like that. There's so much stuff that, you know, again, we're so overwhelmed that I don't know if people really have the the true whether it's attention span or time to really uh to to inv- I'm not even sure if it invest is the right term, but just to even use, I guess, time to use on on, on these additional avenues. So yeah. Right. It'll be interesting to see how you know how it continues. I, I mean obviously it 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 is a strong focus with every major tournament trail. Yeah. I know it's a strong focus with, with potential sponsors of those tournament trails, yeah. but it will be interesting to see how that continues, you know, long-term. Yeah. And I, I know people, 
when it, when it was, I guess, it, with TV, and a lot of people were thinking that TV was going to start dying, kind of like how print died. You know, not saying print is dead, but obviously a lot of it's more digital print, I guess you could say, versus actual physical paper or whatever. But uh, no matter what, it still seems like TV is still king, in, uh, at least when it comes to uh, eyeballs in that in that sense. So, um, but yeah, we'll see how uh, you know how again you know if um, you know again I don't know if if this uh, the the shift from just having all live only and and going with the TV show on the bad side, if that was a, you know, something that was dictated by sponsors or, or, you know, logistics or whatever, but uh, we'll see if that if ever does come back where again, yeah, I know that Fox paid a good amount of money. They saw a lot of that uh, viewership jump up during the pandemic, uh, but we'll see how, how that goes going forward with um, live. If it's just going to be strictly live coverage or if at some point Bass decides to bring back something like that, or, you know, again, I know it's very hard for a lot of us are used to, for the most part, just digesting sports in general live versus having to digest it on delay or, you know, DVR in some way. You know, some, some of that technology will play, will play a factor as well. I, I, I think I'm going to go on a limb here and say that I bet most people that are involved in live coverage now assumed mm-hmm. it would probably be easier much quicker than it has been. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand it because I'm involved in it to an extent, but the equipment that it takes to do this, you're putting, you're putting cameras out in, in, in the outdoors. You're in a lot of cases, you're on remote areas. A lot of yeah. these lakes are remote areas. So the equipment that it takes in order to um, generate the signal from the camera to get it online and then have the production crew and all that to actually get all the mm-hmm. footage and able to, you know, disperse it and and create what you what you finally see on the live coverage. It it, it there is a lot to that. It's very expensive equipment. Uh, yep. You're still relying on cell coverage. Yeah. Um, which still is not um what it should be in a lot of places. And there again, yep. a lot of those places are where we're trying to do it on these on these bodies of water. Yeah. Um 5G that everybody thought would be, you know, a much quicker turnaround seems to be dragging. It's going to be, it's still going to be predominantly in the major cities. That would be a huge benefit um, to doing this type work. Um, if it was, um, it, if it was more widespread, but there again, that, that the increase of bandwidth of what we're trying to do um, is still, it's still a difficult task. Um, yeah, and, and I will tell you, it is a it, it is a huge um, um, overhead on on these businesses in order yeah. to 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 do the live coverage. Yeah, I can't even imagine just besides the dollar amount, yeah, that's connected with all of it. How many terabytes of data? I don't know if it's I don't know what's even bigger than a terabyte because um, for me, most of the time, a terabyte is actually quite about a good amount of data. But how, yeah, how much data is being used? You know, streaming from the boats. Or this five, or this ten cameras, or whatever, back to where it needs to go to the studio, from the studio back up to where it needs to go to be broadcast, and all that other stuff too. So that's a you know that's another, um, I'm pretty sure a, a good cost that gets added into everything as well. So yeah, I can I can tell you this with, I'm quite certain I'm very accurate on this. It costs a whole lot more money to do live production than what it would take to do a TV show. Yeah. Especially on, on on 
when you look at that uh, the, on that particular level at that level of production that it's still probably gonna it's gonna cost even way more to do that exponentially versus if they would have just stuck to the old traditional tv style format yes for yeah. sure all right well with that it's the time of the show where me and kg gotta back her up and put on the trailer and call the day so as always, make sure that you always support the sponsors that help make this show happen. And those sponsors are Ranger, Mercury, Humminbird, Minkota, Strike King, Lose, Trickstep, Reliant, Under Armour, and Sportsman's Warehouse. Um, I don't know if there's any sales that's coming out of those stuff that was over during present day, but make sure that you support those that support us. Make sure you like, share, and review, and rate our show wherever you listen to us. Give us feedback on what you like and what you don't like. And with that, until me and KG make our next cast, KG, don't take it personal. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trickstep. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.